And the ball is rolling. Welcome to episode 31. 31, can you believe it? Of the Blues Brothers podcast. The show that discusses all things football and, of course, Chelsea FC. With questions, debates, discussions and deliberations for all your viewing pleasure. Made by the fans for the fans. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined by one of our, probably our biggest followers since we started this, which is, um, he's under the Instagram name of um, the Chelsea Journal. So for anyone who doesn't follow him, go and follow him on Instagram. He's got loads of cool stuff on there. Um, and we've been trying to get him on for ages. And we're delighted that episode 31, he does join us for his debut. Bill, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? How are you? It's good to finally be here. Yeah, mate, we've been trying to get you on for ages and obviously, you know, both of our pages have been growing and uh, we have a lot yeah. of uh, dialogue in between matches. So it's great to finally have you on a on a full episode. Um, yeah. And boys, I mean, we're not going to we're not going to touch on this much because I, I don't think there was much to say. I mean, I nearly fell asleep halfway through it, to be honest with you. But we um, we kick off proceedings this afternoon, just reviewing that that game against Leeds. Again, the early kickoff seems to be a bit of a stumbling block for us in recent weeks. We had that one against Southampton and now we had another chance to close the gap but ended up with a goalless draw against Leeds United away from home. Charlie, you can kick us off with this one. I mean, if there's anything to say, that is. Yeah, um, it was a bit of an interesting one, mate. You know, we were saying when we were um, live doing our doing our pre-match thoughts that we thought we should win this, but given our previous in the in the early kickoff uh, proceeding that one, when we obviously drew away at Southampton, wasn't wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, again, the lineup can't really complain too much, to be honest. I thought it was it was as strong as it could be. Um, not a lot of changes, but we we it, it looked solid and definitely enough to get the job done. And to be honest, mate, it ended up being a bit of a nothing game in all in all honesty. I mean, I think it tells you when our best chance was a complete defensive, well, not even a defensive mix-up, just a complete bit of bad luck when obviously uh, one of the Leeds defenders clears it, it goes against another defender and it hits the bar. But other than that, I can't remember us creating any clear-cut chances whatsoever. And arguably, the two best opportunities um, ended up at Lee, ended up with Leeds with, I think it was Tyler Adams from outside the box. He hit the crossbar. I think Mendy just got a touch on it. So it was lucky that he was tall because he was a bit shorter. Then he might not have got that touch and that could have crept in. And then, obviously, in the second half, he had that save from the corner where he gets down and gets a good strong hand on a on a on a header. I can't remember who that was from. It might have been from Rodrigo, but otherwise, mate, you know, for all all the possession we had and kind of like how comfortable we looked for vast majorities of that game, it was a it was another recurring theme with just not being able to create very much in the final third. Um, I, I don't really know what it is. I mean, we, we've touched on it before in a previous episode, George, where, you know, we can't really quite put our finger on it um, as to why two thirds of the pitch were really pretty good. And then in the final third of the pitch, we just like some days we create a lot, but can't finish. And other days we just don't create anything. And this against Leeds was one of those days where, we just didn't create anything at all. I mean, we could still be playing now. We probably wouldn't have scored. It was just, it, 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 it was one of those. But again, the, you know the best thing about that was, was the fact that everyone else below us lost. So we actually ended up pulling a point away from Everton, West Ham and Spurs. I think that was the only positive from that one. Yes, okay, we lost ground on Leicester and United. But realistically, whether you come second, third or fourth, apart from the prize money, it doesn't make any difference because you're all not winning the league. So 
again, the only positive was we didn't we didn't lose any um, any ground on. Sorry, teams didn't gain any ground on us um, in in that race for the top four. But yeah, mate, again, a bit a bit of a nothing game. Bill, Bill, how did you how did you see the game, mate? Were you disappointed in us in in the performance, or did you just think it was one of those where it it, it just didn't happen, and you sort of accept it and you move on? Uh, it's hard to say, mate, because obviously it's disappointing drawing to Leeds. It's always going to be a disappointing result. Um, but it's more, like you say, it's more just the lack of goals because it, it, it's really confusing to see how the defensive performance is sound. The midfield is perfect, pretty much. And then we get into that final third and whoever the front three is, we can't seem to work a goal. And it's, I'm not sure whether it's uh, maybe a problem with we're sort of rotating too much. And we just need to sort of pick a, th- a front three and then try and stick with that. Or I'm not sure. It's, it's a tough one to put a finger on, really. Do you think, do you think on that point, do you think he should just pick a three and just roll with it for sort of a, like a run of four or five games and see, see what happens? Do you think that the rotation might be causing us problems? Or do you just think like perhaps the attacking players are just lacking a bit of confidence at the moment, kind of all at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think at the moment, it's justified that he's rotating it about because obviously he's fairly new to the club. Well, very new in the in the big sort of in the grand scheme of things. He's trying to sort of gauge who's the best sort of front three can go with, who works well together. But um, I think during this tough run of fixtures, he's just sort of he's had to look at the games and think who's going to bring me the most out of my forwards to that sort of specific fixture. But I think after this tough run of games, and we got, I think we've got a few easier games. I think he's just got to pick a front three, and then just try and try and stick with it. But obviously, it's a it's a hard decision to to choose three out of what seven or eight sackers that we've got at the club at the moment. So yeah, uh, and as you say, we've obviously got a lot of um, you know a lot of options in those areas. If you were picking a three to go with for like the next four or five games, I think as you said, we've got a few easier ones coming. I think we've got Palace. West Brom and Brighton in our in our next three. Who who would if you were gonna pick a front three for those next three games and just see how it goes? Who who would you have as your three? It's a tough question, mate. Um, I think, I mean, realistically, whatever three you put out, you'd expect us to get all three points anyway from those games. So I don't think it matters too much. But um, for me, it's going to be probably going to be very debatable. But I would go with what we had against Everton which was Timo Werner on the left, Kai Havertz as a number nine and then Hudson Adore on the right. So you don't I just think don't, that that's probably our mo- that's probably our best attacking performance so, so you far. Wouldn't, and you I think, wouldn't have Mason Mount in there. I mean that's the thing again another debatable statement I'd probably drop them into centre mid because I think I think another problem is although we're great on the ball in midfield there's there seems to be a a massive lack of quality from them going forward. Because obviously Kante's not Kante's not an attacking player. He's just there to sweep up. Jorginho doesn't really leave our own third. And then Kovacic seems to run through everybody and then have nothing in the final third. So, I'd, yeah, I'd potentially go for Mason Mount in one of the centre mid spots and then the front three that I just mentioned. Yeah, no. Yeah, is like I say, it's a tough decision. Yeah, no. I think to be honest, mate, I think that is that is something that probably should be looked at. Maybe dropping Mason Mount into that too, just so I mean, yeah, maybe you might sacrifice a bit of defensive, like cover as such. 
but at the same time, you obviously you're getting a lot more creativity in there, and it's an extra. There's room for an, an extra attacking player on the pitch, which which might benefit us. George, what, what what do you think about that, mate? Do you think that's something we should that maybe we should look at, perhaps dropping Mason Mount into that too, um, to to make it a bit more creative? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Bill. I just I think we need we're desperate for something creative in the middle of the park. So even though I I, I do like Mount kind of in that more attacking area of the pitch, the final third, I still think that maybe just dropping him back, but giving him that license as maybe a number 10 might help because I, I just think the balance would be a lot better there where Jorginho or even Kante or Kovacic, they, they then know their role where they sit and then Mount can go slightly further forward. I mean, what's, what surprised me most, boys, is that we, you know, we went into that game against Southampton with no recognised centre forward. That, that, you know, and particularly when we've just been discussing now about the lack of goals in the team, I find it quite surprising that we've got Timo Werner, Olivier Giroud, and yet he's decided to go with, you know, Havertz as a, as a kind of false nine. That, that's what, uh, I mean, do you, do you agree with him just, you know, like we alluded to, do you agree with the fact that he should just be using these games because we're playing a team kind of out of form to rotate and trial things? Or do you think that was a bit naive to go into a game like that, needing the three points to then not play any recognised sense forward? I'll open up the floor to that, really. Uh, mate, it's, it's a tough one. I think, obviously, having watched our attacking performance against Everton, it was very good. And again, I know Werner was on the pitch, but he, he didn't... Um, he wasn't really playing as a centre forward. It was more Havertz playing as the false nine. And as we saw, Havertz probably had his best game in, in the Chelsea shirt. So, um, yeah, that, I don't think we were in a position to to drop him or to switch it up. I know he obviously went with um, Christian Pulisic and uh, Mason Mount alongside with Kai Havertz. Um, and we obviously switched to a four. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I'm not sure. I think it's just the way the modern game's going these days, mate. I think, particularly with the top sides, um, you see Manchester City do it with a... It's like they don't necessarily play a centre-forward. It'll be three attacking players that just rotate. And I think you see Liverpool do it as well. They've got, basically, you wouldn't call Mane or Salah centre-forwards, but their centre-forward, Firmino, kind of doesn't really contribute a lot goal-scoring-wise. So I think it's just the way the game's going. But I definitely do think that we are... We are better with a nut with with an out and out sort of focal point at the top end of the pitch. Obviously, if you look at all our success over the over the past years, we've always had that focal point, whether that's Drogba or whether that's Diego Costa, um, and that's obviously really served us well. But I mean, this is obviously the first time we've kind of gone down the route of not really having an out and out sort of target man centre forward. So I think it's a bit early to judge whether it works or not. But I mean, so far it would suggest that. It's not really happening. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, to be fair. Um, you know, I think Havertz definitely, you know, our best performance attacking-wise, definitely, I agree with Bill, was was that game against Everton. Seemed to create a lot more chances. We finally broke that duck of just the, the, the one goal. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what Tuchel does going forward with that area because, you know, we've, we've banged on about Timo Werner on this podcast for, well, ever since he signed, really. And um, we still don't know what his best position is. I don't think Tuchel does either, whether he's better coming in off the left or whether he's going to take that centre-forward role. I mean, it probably begs the question, 
whether he's going to, you know, ever really have a stamp down on that position, which really questions who we bring in in the summer um, and whether that's an area that we would target. Charlie, I know we were speaking in the week saying, you know, if we had a couple of transfers, if we could only pick two, what are the areas that we would strengthen? And despite, you know, a pretty good front three in terms of options, we'd still said that we needed to add another. Do you still share that or do you feel that Werner could really push on next season? I just, the way I see it at the moment, mate, obviously given the evidence of purely this season, um, I cannot see how we move any closer towards winning the title or like towards challenging for the title or winning it if we do not sign someone that can put the ball in the back of the net. I just think you look at our current crop of attacking players. And for me, based on, I'm not, I mean, Werner could go and score 15 or 20 goals next season. It could just, it could just happen. But the evidence would suggest otherwise. And I'm looking at it and, you know, I just, I just don't think any of those attacking players are going to are putting down like a 15 or 20 league goal season. I mean, I don't think Hakim Zayach is a, is a big goal scorer. Neither's uh, Christian Pulisic. Mason Mount, obviously his numbers have improved recently, but he's not sort of someone that's going to chip in with 10 plus goals, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and obviously Callum Hudson-Odoi, not renowned for his goal scoring. And Kai Havertz still finding his feet. So you're looking at it and there's a, there's a glaring hole um, in centre forward for someone to put sort of 20 goals in, 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 in the back of the net to really try and push us up, push us up the table. Or likewise, if we've got sort of the three wide players that all might contribute 10, between 10 and 15, but I don't think we've got that either. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think, George. Do you share? Do you share those thoughts, mate? Do you do you agree that we can't challenge without a proper nine? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think we, you know, as a Chelsea Football Club, I'd love to see Werner being given next season as kind of the main man. Um, if I was manager, I'd probably do that, and I would try and allocate other areas of the pitch that need improving with the money. But that's just a personal opinion. Um, I don't disagree with people who say that we definitely need to strengthen again and add another number nine out there. I mean, a really good example that you used just before we came on was um, Alvaro Morata, who obviously came in again for quite a big fee. And despite starting fairly well, I think he did tail off and it questions whether, you know, some players just aren't designed for the Premier League. And I think we're seeing some, we're seeing some kind of alarm bells ringing about whether Werner physically is up to it. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about his pace and, and I don't doubt his quality either, but it's just, you know, some leagues just don't suit some players. So we're probably going to lose Giroud in the summer. Um, at best, we might get a one-year extension if he really wants to stay. But even then, you know, age isn't on his side. We've we've already, you know, discussed about Tammy, um, whether he's good enough to be the lead. No. So we, I think we do have to go in again. Um but yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums us up at the moment. We can't score goals. Um, and even though we're keeping it out, it is a concern. And it, it kind of brings us into the big main part of the week, which it probably is, Charlie, to be fair, our, our biggest week um, of the season so far. You know, we've got um, Sheffield United in the FA Cup. And obviously, we've got the huge one tonight against Atletico Madrid, which is very, very difficult to call. Um and sorry, viewers, for, for people who are going to be listening to this, we have lost Bill just temporarily. Hopefully, he'll be able to come back on. 
but we have um he must be having technical issues so we um, we do apologize for that hence why we're not just leaving that on purpose for anyone who's listening yeah so charlie huge huge week ahead probably the biggest in in chelsea's um season so far yeah it's massive you know um obviously a few weeks ago if you'd asked either of us um would we have any chance against madrid i think we were we were saying you know we put our chances down as, as virtually nil but obviously there's been a change of circumstances there's been a change in there's been an upturn in form and obviously the first leg went very well for us and suddenly we find ourselves in a position where the unthinkable is 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 very much possible um this is by no means job half done it's going to be a very tough ask tonight I'd be I'd be shocked if Atletico Madrid were as bad as they were in the first leg. I mean, they literally offered absolutely nothing. I know we didn't create much either, and it took a moment of brilliance, but they just offered nothing. I really couldn't. I really couldn't believe how poor they were. So that that, that was a real surprise. I think tonight they've got to come and they've got to go for it a bit more because um, they they have to score. So they're they're going to have to go for it a bit more and be a bit more open. Um, but again, any team that's got Luis Suarez at the top end of the pitch is, is always going to be dangerous. He only needs half a sniff and uh, and he's, and he's it, and it's in the back of the net. And then other talented players like João Felix, Thomas Lamar. I think a big plus for them will be obviously the return of Kieran Trippier in, in, in the defence. I think he's a he's a vital part of, of that setup for them. Um, and I think for us, Jorginho in the middle of the park is not... As big a miss because we've got Kante to come in, which is which is obviously outstanding. Um, and I, the one thing I do worry about is we're not that creative at the best of times, and we are missing our most creative player tonight in Mason Mount. So I'm just a bit worried about who's going to step into the void. Um, it would probably be Kai Havertz, you'd have to imagine on a, on on recent form. It was obviously played well against Everton. He wasn't great against Leeds, but you'd expect him to to hold down his place. And again, it'll be a be a massive opportunity for him. Um, but I, I I I really can't call it to be honest, boys. I think I think we're going to have to start well, um, and I think we need to play as if we we are one down because I always feel it's dangerous to to sit back and try and play for a goalless draw because it just it, 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 it never seems to end well. But yeah, Bill, where, where do you think this game's going to be won and lost, mate? What, where, where do you think the key areas are tonight? Uh, I think, to be honest, I think the first goal is vital. Um, I think if, like we were saying before, before we started, if they score first, we're really going to struggle because the, the, the lack of goals we have at the moment is just not good. Um, yeah, I think I'm not sure if they've got have they got that Jose Jimenez back in the defence yet, or is he still uh, not I'm, ready? Uh, I'm, I'm, to be honest, mate, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, but so I, I think if he's still out, we've got we've got a lot sort of higher chance of scoring. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure. It's going to be a tough game for sure. Do you think similar to me? Do you think Havertz will will come in? Will like will take the place of Mason Mount tonight, or could you see? Somewhat, or could you? Could we see a surprise? Maybe a, maybe a Zayac or a Pulisic who who haven't played as well in recent weeks. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's more expected. Like say that we'll go with Havertz. I think Tuchel recently mentioned about Kai Havertz playing as a ten and how he sort of thinks that's one of his best positions. So I think that's what I'd like to see anyway, personally, because uh, obviously without 
without Mount, you've got no creativity really. And you'd normally look to sort of ZH or Pulisic for that. But like you say, they're off, they're, they're not on great form. So we've got, a, I think we've just got to go with who's playing the better out of the options we have. And at the moment, that's Havertz. So would you, so then, so your front three tonight then, Bill, you'd like to see Giroud and then Werner and Havertz kind of both in, in those yeah. two 10 positions. Yeah. Of them, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. George, do you, would you agree with that, mate? Yeah, I would agree the same. Uh, you know, listen, boys, this is this is a huge night. I'm I'm excited for it. Um, I agree with with everything that's been said so far, in the sense that you know we need to. It's going to be probably a, quite a low scoring game. Um, we've got. I can't imagine Atletico Madrid playing as negative as they did in the first leg. So, um, yeah, front three wise, I go. I would go exactly the same. I mean, my worry is if we go a goal down. Have we got? Have we got enough? Have we got enough to get through? I just, I just don't know particularly how good they are as a kind of back five, if you like. Um, and listen, I still think that we're probably underdogs going into this match from probably a bookie's perspective and probably outsiders. I still think a lot of people think, like you said, Suarez is probably going to get a sniff on goal tonight. Um, but we've put ourselves in a great position, and it the one of the positives. Uh, that I took from the Leeds game was the clean sheet, even though, well, you could probably call it a point game, like you mentioned, Charlie, that the fact that the other teams dropped points around us, but going into this match, knowing that we we didn't have a, a stinker against Leeds and they or they scored a couple like that kind of reverse fixture where we played them at home, where it was very, very open. I mean, I don't think 3-1 uh, was that flattering, really, of that game. I think Leeds probably deserved more goals, as did we in that game. So going into this match with a clean sheet under our belt is a positive. So, I mean, it, it, it's huge. Um, I don't know what your predictions are for tonight, boys. I'm I'm on the fence, but I'm probably going to say I'd like to think that we could, it would probably be one all, maybe. I'm not sure. What do you think, boys? Mate, I was about, I was literally just about to say a one all. But um, before we get, before we just finish the predictions, mate, what, what, what do you, what do you think about, uh, defensively is going to happen? Do you expect it to, to be, I mean, I'd imagine it would be the same in terms of the three: Aspilicueta, um, Rudiger, and Christensen. What, what, where do you? What, who do you think is going to play fullback? Bill, Bill, I'll come to you first. Do you think it's going to be Chilwell or Alonso, and do you think it will be Reese James or Hudson Odoi? Uh, so, I mean, on my predicted lineup, I went for Chilwell and James, but I think, I think, looking at the game and how it's likely to pan out, we're going to need. I think Tuchel will want a lot of the ball. And obviously, in, in that regard, you'd probably want Alonso on the left. Um, you know, he's not as strong defensively, but on the ball, he, I think he's far better than Chilwell is, especially at the moment. Uh, Chilwell's, I guess, coming off of... It wasn't his best game against Leeds. Uh, he wasn't great on the ball. He wasn't great off the ball, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's more likely he'll go with Alonso looking on sort of the grand scheme of things. And then... I'm hoping the other side he goes for Reese James because I think in a game where they might have to, Atletico might have to sort of send a lot of players forward to try and get that goal. I, I'm not sure if I fully trust Hudson Adore yet defensively, whereas Reese James, you always know he's going to do a job. Yeah, I think I think I'd have to agree with that. I mean, me and George both have similar views on Ben Chilwell. Like he's one of those where he's obviously under Lampard when he came in. He, he was first choice, sort of no questions asked. You know, obviously Alonso had been had been frozen out 
and Emerson obviously not really up to it. So regardless of whether Chilwell played like a two or three out of ten, he knew pretty much every week that he was going to play. And obviously, in, in the games where he has featured under Tuchel, he, he's not, he's not, he hasn't done badly, but he's not really done anything spectacular. And I think playing a back three, back five, whatever you want to call it, there's obviously a, a little bit less defensive responsibility and a bit more onus on on getting forward. And I think where Alonso's got the got the the nod on him is perhaps he's not as good defensively, but going forward, he, he's much better. And I think he influences the game in the final third a lot more. And I think at the moment, given our sort of struggles in there, him pushing on that side could 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 really help us. And in terms of the other side, again, you'd think, as you said, Bill, you know, Hudson-Odoi has done very well at, when he's played in that right wing-back role. I mean, in the first leg, he, he played pretty well there. Again, he wasn't tested. I, and we haven't really seen... Um, his defensive capabilities truly tested, but I think in a big game, I I would probably prefer Reese James as well, just because he is first and foremost a, a defender, and he also he's not afraid to get forward, and he's got great delivery as well. George, just your thoughts on the fullbacks, mate. Who, who, who are you expecting to start in those in those wing back roles? Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I'm not convinced by Ben Chilwell's performances of late. Again, I think it was it was one of those classic games against Leeds where again he just it was like a five out of ten. He wasn't he wasn't good or terrible. It was like he just played it safe, didn't go forward. I mean, it, again, it depends how we approach the game. I expect Tuchel's going to try and shut up shop, so therefore I probably would go Ben Chilwell because defensively I trust him more than I do Alonso. But then you've then you've got to take into the factors of you know maybe we can catch them on the break. I mean, it all depends on whether we feel as if we need another goal to make sure we go through. I think that's what Tuchel's got to look at. Personally, I would start Chilwell. On the other side, I would go yeah, I would go experience. So I would I wouldn't have Hudson Odoi on the other side. I think I'd probably have Reese James. Just I think he's very physical. Um, you know, he's up for the challenge. He's probably got a few errors in him, but I think he's more comfortable in that position. So, you know, you're asking hudson Adoy to do a job that he's still working on. Um, and I don't think this is the game that he needs that. I could just see him, you know, giving away a penalty or something like that or getting frustrated or giving away the ball. Because he his first thought is to look forward, whereas I think Reese James is probably a bit more experienced now where he knows that actually there's times to go and times to sit. So I'd probably have those two as mine, I think, with obviously Christensen being... I th- still think Christensen gets the nod as well. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to agree. Christensen will get the nod. I think Thiago Silva's still injured. Zuma doesn't particularly seem to be in favour. So, yeah, I think the three, Zuma, uh, uh, sorry, Aspinacueta, Christensen and Rudiger is 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 where it's going to be. And you can't argue with that, you know, 10 clean sheets in Tuchel's 12 games... And I think me and you, both me and you, George, I think we're looking a bit silly with our with our criticism of Christensen in the past. You know, saying he wasn't good enough for Chelsea. I know, like it's only a, a patch of games where he's done well, but he has done really well. So I think we probably have to hold our hands up and accept that at that point in time we probably got probably got that one slightly wrong, mate. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been doing too well of late, have we? Um, Bill, what are your thoughts on Christensen? Quickly, mate. Do you do you do you think he's got a long-term future at Chelsea? Uh, I mean, I'm with you boys. I've, I've not shut up about how bad he is over the last 
sort of <laughs> last couple of years. But um, since Tuchel's come in, he just looks a completely different player. Um, I'm not sure if he's got a long-term future here. I think he's... Because obviously, it depends on how long this back three lasts. Because at the moment, obviously, there's three spots up for him. So he's if he if he plays a little spell of games where he's playing out of his skin, then he's going to be in that team. But I think if we have to switch back to a two, I just can't see him being in there, especially when Thiago Silva's back. Uh, obviously, you've got Zuma, who's really, he's class in a back two. Rudiger's now playing brilliant. Um, and I think there's there's sort of little rumours that we're looking to sign a centre-back. Obviously, a little while back, we are looking at Alaba and we've been linked to Varane. So I'm not sure if he's got a long-term future, but I mean, I hope he does, to be honest, because... As much as it makes me look a bit stupid, I do like being proved wrong. So, yeah, no, I think, as long as it's a Chelsea player, obviously. Yeah, no. Do you on on? I know it's a little bit off topic, but whilst we're talking about defenders, do you, Bill? I'll come to you first, mate. Um, do you think that in the summer that's a position we need to address? Whether we stick with a three or go back to a go back to a four, um, do you think we need to sign a top centre half? Uh, I mean. For me, first, we've got to get Thiago Silva's extra year over the line. I think if we can, for the for the money he's on, I think it's rumoured he's only on like a hundred to 150000 a week, which is pennies for a player of his sort of calibre. Um, but obviously, he's he's getting to the point of his career where, you know, he's not he can't play every game. He's showing that now. He's, he's injured, he's out for games. And I think you look at the rest of our centre-backs, I don't think any of them are world-class. And I think if we're going to go for a title, which is obviously we've sacked Lampard, we've we've got a new manager and we've spent all this money, we've got to be looking at a title in the next season or two. And I think to do that, we've got to sign a world-class centre-back. So I'd say, yeah. Yeah, George, your thoughts? Do you think we need, we need a, a, a world-class centre-half to compete? Yeah, it's just depending on who's out there. That that's the main issue. I mean, we I think we brought up Varane, didn't we? I think that came up in one of the questions uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I like the idea of him, but it's it's who we can get in. I mean, who's really available for a world class centre half that's that's going to want to come to Chelsea? I mean, it's again, it's all dependent on whether we finish in the top four or not. I think that's going to really shape how we approach the window, to be honest with you. But I do, even though we're still keeping a lot of clean sheets at the moment, I'm still not convinced that we've got enough in the defence and obviously at the top end of the pitch to really take that next step and shorten the gap. We can we can close the gap, of course we can, but to make it a realistic title challenge, I think we're 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 still a long way off. I think it you know, two, three, maybe even four seasons down the line. Depend you know, of course Manchester City are gonna have a dip at some point. You know, they're not invincible. Um but with their strength and depth, it's just very hard to see past the most seasons at the moment. Um, and I'd expect Liverpool to have a bounce back as well. So I think, yeah, I think we do need to sign a world-class centre-half and add to other areas of the pitch as well, boys, for sure. No, definitely. Um, yeah, George, show you, mate. Predictions. So you, you, you've gone you've gone 1-1, yeah? Yeah, I'm going 1-1, boys. Oh, mate, this is... I mean, I, I really don't know what to say. I mean, all evidence is suggesting a real low-scoring game. So, mate, I'll have to join you on that fence with, with a 1-1. Bill, what, what, what are your thoughts, mate, prediction tonight? Uh, I mean, the smart thing to say is either a 1-0 or 1-1. But, uh, do you know, what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say 2-1 Chelsea. I think I think we're going to get a sort of, some sort of dodgy goal, whether it be a corner, penalty, 
whatever it is. I think we'll get one of those. Uh, and yeah, but I, I do think Atletico will score, which obviously is not good for us because we're going to have to sort of react in the right way. But yeah, no, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a lot more confident um, than I was going into this tie. I do think we've got a real chance, but yeah, that's, I do agree with you, George. I think we probably still have to be considered the underdogs in in, in this one. Um, and it's, it's, there's a lot of hard work to do, but I do think we, we can get the job done. And just one last question on this game. George, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. Um, if we were to go through tonight, where do you, do you think that would rank highly in European nights in the club history or not really? I think for this group of players, it would maybe not in the in the archive of of great Chelsea nights, like you said. Even you know, even you said when we we beat them in the first leg, it wasn't necessarily the, the spectacle. Um, but in terms of a two legged result, mate, I think no one really gave us a chance when we were initially drawn with them. Obviously, with the form that we were in, um, so yeah, I think it would rank quite highly. It's, and I think it's so important for these group of players. I think this is a very make or break moment in the season. I think if we could if we could get through this, I think it will really act as a kind of uh, you know a springboard for us to then push in the other to, you know in obviously the FA Cup and the the league as well and push that top four. Um, but then if it ends up being like it was when we played Bayern Munich um, this time last year and they absolutely tore us to shreds, oh, yeah. then I fear that it might again, knock the confidence out of what we're trying to achieve. And I mean, obviously, it's going to be Tuchel's, if we do lose, it's going to be Tuchel's first defeat. So it'll be interesting how he reacts to that. Even It'll even be interesting to finally see us go behind in a game and see how we react against a quality opposition. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you boys as well, like, you know, do you, which one's more important in terms of, you know, would you take this game and take a win going into the next round to be out of the FA Cup? Or do you think that the FA Cup is really should be our main focus and is more important than, than tonight? Um, to be honest, mate, without sounding sort of blasé and a bit arrogant about it, we shouldn't be having any problems against Sheffield United at home. They're like one of the worst teams the Premier League has ever seen in terms of points. But they're losing like it's going out of fashion. So, I mean, that really shouldn't be an issue. I mean, we could put out, honestly, mate, we could put out the under twenty threes and beat them. I, I'm, I'm convinced. So, I don't think that's a that's a problem. All focus needs to be on this game tonight, because as I think, as I mentioned to you, George, before, um, I think it's either the last three years or the last four years we've gone out in the last sixteen of the Champions League for the last three or four years on the spin. Now, we don't want to make that four or five years because it's like it starts becoming a bit of a problem. You just think, well, when was the last time we had a decent run in Europe? I mean, in the in in the Champions League. Obviously, we've won the Europa League the two times we've been in there, but we don't really want to, want to be in that competition. So, and the way it's gone so far, if we were to sneak through tonight, you know, you get into the last eight and you're thinking, right, okay, yeah, there's some great teams in there, but you look at it and there's two teams in Porto and Dortmund. Porto, you'd have to fancy going through against over two legs. And obviously, I know Dortmund with Haaland are always going to score goals, but the rest of that team isn't that strong. So if you've got either of those, you're thinking, well, there's a chance to get in the last four and then it opens up. So I think this this is really important tonight. Um, and I don't think by any means we're prioritising one over the other. You know, if, if the FA Cup game happened to be against a big side, then, yeah, you know, you might have to prioritise one or the other. But because it's against Sheffield United, you know, I don't think there's any need to, to prioritise 
prioritise those games. I don't know. I don't know what you think, Bill. Do you think you know um, FA Cup on the weekend shouldn't really be a problem? We just put all the eggs in the basket for this game. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I agree, mate. I think we've got we've got to look at this now as if we beat Atletico, we've actually got we've got a half decent chance of going not maybe not all the way, but at least getting to the final. And I think for the club that'd be massive because, like you say, in the last sort of five years, we've we've been drawn against difficult teams. You know, the winners last year by Munich. Uh, I think the year before was Munich as well. We've had Barcelona in that time. We've obviously Messi, Suarez. So I think I think for the for the sake of the club, it'd be a massive result if we do go through tonight, and it's it'd be a sort of base for sort of moving onwards. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, if whatever team we put out against Sheffield, we should get the job done, even if we we have the likes of Emerson or you know Zuma in there. I think I think it's a it's a win win scenario there, or it should be anyway. George, what are you thinking? What in terms of what's more important? Yeah, um, I think it's got. I think it's got to be FA Cup for us, just because I think, like you said, mate, Sheffield United, we should really be winning that, even with a, a, a second string side. Really, I mean, you can't. There's no guarantees, but I mean, then that's the semi-finals, and then it's anyone's game. But you know, like like Bill said, like it's you know, if we get through this game and we get a favourable draw, who knows? Uh, it's you know the cup competitions can be very strange at times um, and it's all to do with momentum and I think on form you know if you look at Tuchel's forming compared to you know we're right in the mix now I would have to say in terms of the best performing teams out there in terms of results I mean I'm not saying we're playing the most attractive football or anyone thinks that we're as dangerous as say a Bayern Munich but you know we're still unbeaten so no one's been able to beat us yet Um, so why not I mean You've got to look at it. I say it time and time again. You've got to look at it as maybe five, six games. That's all you've got to play well for. And uh, you don't necessarily have to win those either, you know, to get through to a final. So I'm really interested. But obviously, like we said, mate, we could end up being at half past nine, quarter to ten, getting absolutely battered. And then uh, it's only the FA Cup to play for. So who knows? But that, that kind of brings us to an end to the uh, the Atletico um, preview. And I just want to, like I always do, just um, give the league table as well, just for a... For anyone who's not up to date, I'm sure they are. Manchester City, obviously top, continue their great run of form and, um, you know, are walking to the title, let's be honest. Um, a good week, really, for Chelsea with other teams dropping points around us, um, with West Ham and Everton both dropping points with their games in hand. Um, Manchester United stay in second, getting that win against uh, West Ham. Um, I think, when was that played? Was that played? That was played Sunday night. Sunday night. and. Uh, so it's City top, Man City, second, uh, Manchester United second, Leicester third, Chelsea make up the top four. West Ham do still have that game in hand, but that would just put them uh, level on points now. And they would, we would still be fourth with obviously that superior goal difference as well. And uh, making up the bottom a bit of movement, um, we've got West Brom in 19th, Sheffield United obviously gone, uh, Fulham in 18th, Newcastle in serious trouble. They're being seriously talked about at the moment as going down. Um and they sit just above the relegation zone with Fulham. Um, I don't know if any of you boys want uh, to discuss any particular standout match of the weekend. I mean, we can obviously discuss the North London derby now. Um, not the result I expected, quite honestly. I think when I was expecting a Spurs win and when Spurs went, oh, they did go 1-0 up, didn't they? Yep. 
yeah, when they went 1-0 up, I just thought, this is classic Arsenal. Um, they're going to absolutely bottle it. But fair play to them. They, they turned it around. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, George. You know, I think, obviously, you know, form does go out the window in a derby match because it, I mean, I don't know why, but it, it just does. And, you know, you would have expe- fully expected a Tottenham win in, in, in that game. But, I mean, if you look back over the years, their record at the, um, at the Emirates is, is really, really poor. But they, have, they haven't won there for a long time. So, you know, get, trying to shake that kind of monkey off the back by getting a win there is hard. And, mate, I've got to be honest, the first half, I know they got the goal through Lamella, which was outstanding. I mean, a great piece of skill, probably going to end up being goal of the season, purely because you just never see anything like that, really. Um, yeah, obviously they went one up, but first half they were shocking, mate. They literally hardly created anything. Arsenal were definitely in the driving seat for that game, surprisingly. Um, and then obviously, you know, second half. I mean, sorry, they get the equaliser, fully deserved. Really. I know a little bit lucky with the deflection. Matt Doherty gets done on the one-two. Um, I think he's been shocking this this season. I think he's been a terrible signing. Um, he's not listening, so it's fine. But I mean, I think he's just, he's just been so he's been so shit. I mean, doesn't look anything like the player he was at Wolves. I mean, he was half decent at Wolves. I know they played in the back three, but he like he committed forward well. He popped up with the old goal. He's done absolutely nothing for Spurs. Um, so yeah, that, I don't I don't know. They they need to improve defensively for sure. Um, second half, I thought. I, I mean, I don't know what you boys think, but I thought they were bang unlucky to concede that pen. Um, you know, my first thoughts were when you see it in real time, oh, he's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a definite pen. But actually, when you look back at it, you can quite easily make a case for that not to be given. I think Lacazette's played an air shot. He's played, the, uh, he's gone for the ball. He's missed it completely with his air shot. The ball's gone. And obviously, Sanchez, yes, it's a bit rash and he dives in, but he's diving in on the premise that Lacazette's going to connect with that shot and he probably ends up blocking it. I mean, I'm just disappointed that I can see why the referee's given that in, in real time. I'm just disappointed that the again the system seems to have seems to have um let well I suppose it's let Tottenham down today, but it's been it's failed in in in, in the fact that it's not asked him to go and have a look at the screen. I thought that at least warranted looking at the screen just to just to be sure. I don't know, Bill, what did you think, mate? Do you think that that was a penalty? Do you think it should have been looked at? Uh, I mean, yeah, to be honest, it was a weird one because if it's it's hard to say, but if, if Lacazette makes contact there, then like you say, Sanchez blocks it, but he seemed to miss the ball before there was even contact and the ball was heading away from the goal. So there's sort of, it's again, these blurred lines of sort of, if the ball is heading away from the goal or there's, there's. At the end of the day, there was there wasn't a goal scoring opportunity after he had missed the ball. So is it still a penalty then? I don't know, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think more refs have got a sort of. I'm not sure if it's a ref decision or VAR, but they've they've got to go and look at the screens themselves and and decide for themselves. I think them being told in the rear piece whether it's a penalty or not is just ridiculous, really. George, what do you think, mate? Penalty or not? Um, I don't think it was as shocking that it was given, um, just because of the, of the contact. But I completely agree. It's all it's all this, you know, interpretation. I mean, it looked like he was going away, and he, 
you know, there was the contact was kind of after he lost control of the ball almost. Um, so it's a difficult one. And I, th- if they're going to give a penalty for that, I would have, I, I would have thought that the red card would have followed just because of the contact that it was, but they didn't. Um, I, you know, you know, my view on this, mate, I'm, I'm so fed up with, with BI. I think it just needs to be totally scrapped next season. I mean, if it was up to me, I've said to you before, it would just, for me, it would just be goal line technology and the rest just, leave to the bloody officials to do their job. I know they're never going to go back now because, like you said, there's too much money in the game now for for mistakes to be made. But I think they're just trying to, they're just trying to make things too difficult and and having no, you know, understanding of that there is always going to be error just because we've got monitors and we've got angles. It's still all open to interpretation. So that's never going to stop. I mean, one referee watching a screen will, will think of something completely different to another referee. So how how that kind of clears things up and they watch it in slow motion, it just makes no sense to me what, whatsoever. And I think they I think it, they weren't as unlucky as I've other ones that I've seen. But this this season in general has just been an absolute car crash for decisions like this. And I think, to be fair, I think we all saw it coming. I don't think anyone thought, oh, now VAR's here, it's just going to clear up everything. Um, it's just been a total mess, and it's. I, so I don't know what they're going to do about it. I mean, what what is the solution? Well, I mean, just briefly, mate. I just think, obviously, as I've said to you many times, George, it's obviously it's here to stay. Um, I think the the actual idea itself is a good idea. We we need the, the officials need help. You know, when you see something on the TV. And you're thinking, oh, was was that a penalty? Was it not? I, I, I need to see it again. Like in like beforehand, you weren't getting that luxury. It was a split second decision. And I think the officials do need help. So it's been bought in. I think the technology is good. The problem, as I've said before, mate, is two things. The way it's being implemented, I think referee the like the the, the team in Stockley Park are trying to micromanage the game. They're trying to referee it from there. And then the referee in the middle almost isn't really the referee. What needs to happen is, I don't understand why we've steered away from this clear and obvious. It's meant to be clear and obvious error. If a clear and obvious error has been made, Stockley Park, step in. Look, you need to go and have a look at the at the monitor. We think you've made a, a clear error here. Um, and then and, and then like change the decision accordingly. I think it's football is... As Scott Parker said in an interview a while back, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to make it become a fine art. You know, we don't need all these lines drawn. It's, it looks like someone's like doing some A-level maths when they start drawing the bloody lines on the pitch. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. You know, yeah, offside is offside. Like I I I appreciate that argument, but if you're telling me that someone who's like a millimetre or a thumb or a toe offside has gained an advantage to score that goal. Uh, it's just it's just bollocks. It just isn't true. So I think, you know, two things need to change. It needs to be simplified so it's just for clear and obvious. It needs to be, you know, play, give an advantage to the attacking side. And the think third, thirdly, the most important thing is the standard of officiating needs to improve in this country massively. And the last one, whilst I'm at it, is um, the rules need to be looked at this summer and there needs to be a clear set of rules. These are the rules and we're not changing them because every week it's changing and it doesn't do teams any favours. You know, if you lose from a goal, 
you know, um, like Aston Villa did at Manchester City, and then the next week the rule changes. It's like, well, great, that doesn't help us then. So, yeah, those, those are my sort of four things that I think need changing and ironing out. Bill, what are your thoughts, mate, on the VAR? Do you think, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's not, it's not going to go anywhere, but, you know, are you, are you for it? Uh, I mean, to be honest, mate, I hate it, but I, I do understand why it's there. I think everyone can un- can see to a certain extent that that before it was there, there was a lot of errors, a lot of clear errors that, you know, one quick look back at replay and you, you know uh, the decision should have gone the other way. So everyone can understand why it's there. But like you say, it's too complicated. And all they need to do is just simplify it down, stick to a set of rules, and and that's it. I think a lot of the refs sort of, well, it's hard to, it's hard to say this because obviously ref in big games, obviously you've got 22 superstars around you all shouting at you saying different things. But I think the refereeing standard in the Premier League has been poor this season. Um, you know, you've got people like, is it that Anthony Taylor? Yeah. Even in the Champions League the other day, he made some terrible decisions. And you just think, how is sort of this referee, the, the ref that's been chosen to represent us on a European stage? I mean, it's just, it's just a bit baffling to me. But I think, yeah, VAR's got to stay, I think. But... It just needs to be simplified down. Yeah, for sure. I've got, well, got, I've got a quick question for you, boys. George, I come to you first, man. I know we've discussed this in our group chat of the lads, but do you think it would make a difference if referees had to come out after games and explain why they've made decisions? Well, you know my stance on this, mate. I, again, it probably is annoying for people who haven't got the traditional view, but I don't think they need to come out and explain themselves because I don't think it does any good. What What's, what's done is done then. Um, yes, they can have a private conversation with the managers uh, in the tunnel or after the game um, in their own rooms, but I don't think they need to express to the fans. I think it would just cause more more controversy because don't forget they're getting interviewed at the very heat of the moment. So to be put in the spotlight literally as the final whistle blows with with cameras in their faces and, and mics being told, why did you give this? Why did you give that? At the end of the day, they're the referees. They make the decisions and what what the referee says i mean you're, you're taught this when you're like five years old you know what the ref says that's that's the decision you know you have to go with it you can moan all you like but they're in charge and you follow by the rules it's simple as that i mean where that where the gray area is coming is i don't think players even know what the rules are anymore so they are literally questioning the referees and i don't think the referees get much support from the fa because of the fact that these rules are changing all the time but I don't think that it would do any good uh, bringing them out to explain anything because people are still going to say, well, you know, oh, he's a twat and I don't agree with that decision, even if he explained it. So, no. I mean, could you yeah. imagine it? I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I just think at the moment, you know, there's a massive disconnect between referees like between basically if like decisions being made and the fans, like you know, do you know what I mean? When obviously we haven't been in the stadiums for, for a while now, but um, you know, when you're watching on the TV and you're waiting two, three minutes for a VAR decision, you've got absolutely no idea what's going on. When I mean, they could be discussing what they're going to do on their day off tomorrow, for for all we know. I do think that that those those conversations 
should be you should be able to hear the conversation between Stockley Park and the referee. So that way, the fans have got more of an idea what's going on and can understand the decision process behind it, whether you agree with it or oh, not. Uh, yeah. I think that that's a really that, good. Yeah, that, I, agree I think that. I think that needs to happen because at the moment, as, as a fan, you're just in the dark when you're waiting two or three minutes for a decision. Like example, you know, obviously when. Giroud scored the, the goal in the first leg. It was about three minutes we were sat there just waiting to, to find out whether it was a goal or not. It, I think it would be massively helpful if those conversations were broadcast so that you're in the loop as a fan. Um, but in, in terms of the refs coming out, I do think in certain situations they probably should. I mean, they just kind of, I don't say they get away with it as such, but do you know what I mean? Like you make a shocking decision and you just go home. Whereas, like, if you're a manager or a player, like, as a manager, if you lose a derby game where you lose heavily, you've got to go out and face the heat. Whereas, like, why do you do this? Why do you select that? Why do you do these tactics? And same with players. If they've not played well, they have to go and front up. So why should a referee not front up? That's kind of that's kind of the angle that I'm coming at it from. But, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Bill, what do you think, mate? Do you think refs should have to come out after games or do you just think it, it it's perhaps wouldn't really achieve anything? Uh... It's a tough one because, I mean, I think like George said, if one, once a decision's been made, that's it. You can't go back into that game. Like The ref can't make a decision half hour into a game. Then uh, after the 90 minutes, say, oh, yeah, this is what I've done it. And then he'll be proved wrong. And you go, well, great. We're still in the same situation. But it's just going to anger more fans. And I think the dangerous thing is they get a massive amount of abuse at the moment. Um, you know, you look at Mike Dean recently getting death threats and all sorts for the the Suchet red card. Um, so would it open up another avenue for that? I'm not too sure, but uh, like you said, I think I think it would be good to hear them mic'd up during the game in certain situations, and then you have got a bit of a sort of clearer understanding on the VAR. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, like I like the fact that you know they do it so well in rugby, where you know they talk to the officials, and I think there's no reason why they couldn't have moments where they possibly have a kind of switch on their mic where they could switch on um, for those VAR moments where we can have the conversation. I, they probably just don't do it because they, they honestly don't have a, a fucking clue what they're doing at Stockley Park either. Probably why. I mean, I see some of those lines and I swear they manipulate them just to help the officials. Mate, it's like they've got their three-year-old child in there drawing the lines on. It is and they like I swear they like they manipulate the camera angles to like make it so like whatever the referee's given they're trying to like support that decision but, as much as but, they can. But this but this is but this is the problem when you're when you you can you can make things look a certain way by changing the angle. So like if yeah. you look at something from one angle, like so for example, a front on angle, if you had that that was your angle, it might not look like a foul. Then if you looked at it from behind or from the side, it looks like a foul. So like I think you know, if you've got too many angles, it confuses things as well. I just think you need to have it in one angle. And I don't understand when they send them to the monitor, why do they always watch it in slow-mo? Because everything looks worse in the slow-mo. Surely you should just be watching it at real speed. But, I mean, I mean, I mean what, what do I know? <laughs> but They definitely but, have to get rid of the uh, stupid... The, the, one of the rules that has to go is that stupid thing where they're obviously offside and the linesman just oh. lets them... Mate, I, I, mate, I, I said to you on the one or two episodes ago, there's going to be a, there's going to be some sort of injury when this happens, and it happened, happened the other night, didn't it? In the with Patricio yeah. in the in the Wolves Liverpool game, if he just put his flag up, that wouldn't have happened. 
Like, it's, it's just nonsense. What on earth? Why are they playing on when it's so obviously offside? I don't get what they're trying to do. What are they trying to do? I mean, to be honest, mate, I, the only reason I've come up with as, as to why as to why that's there is because if you know that attack plays out and there's a goal and it ends up being onside, but he's flagged offside, then that's maybe the only reason I can see. But it, it really doesn't make any sense. You're going through like two or three phases of play, and then suddenly they're raising the flag. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, but yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 I guess. Yeah, sorry, man. I was just going to say it gets to the point where if if they're not allowed to put their flag up, what is the point in having them? If if you're going to have to wait for them to put their flag up, and then it's going to get checked on VAR or whatever, what is the point in having them anyway? So, I mean, like I don't think they're going to go, but I, I do understand your point. If if everything gets checked by the VAR every way, anyway, what's the point in having a linesman to flag offside because they're just going to check anyway on the VAR? Yeah. It's nonsense. I'm not saying we should get rid of the no. flag. I'm just saying I think they, if it's a clear offside, put the flag up. I mean, they, they've trained for it for years, and at the majority of the time, they know what they're doing. If it's clear offside, put your flag up. Simple as that. It doesn't have to be as complicated as it is, and they sort of let the game play. I on think that I, I think that's the nail on the head, boys. It's just the fact that football is a simple game, but you know the rules that are coming in or the lack of clarity in the rules. It just made it so complicated and it's causing so many issues. I just think it just needs to go back to basics. Yeah, couldn't agree more, boys. I don't know if you've got any other um, topics that you'd like to share before the questions, boys, if you do. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think so, mate. I think we've got, we've got quite a few questions to go through, mate, so you might as well just crack straight on with them. Um, so, yeah, obviously, thanks for sending these in, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. George, I'll come to you first on this one. I mean, we've discussed in a couple of times before, um, a while back. Um, what do you think will happen to Ruben Loftus-Cheek next season? Will we sell him, loan him again, or do you think he'll get an opportunity? Um, I think I would have answered that question differently if, if Frank Lampard was in charge. I think he probably would have been given another go, um, purely because I think he was going around the whole trying to promote the youth that were coming through. Um, I mean, listen, he's not a young player anymore, but... I still, I would just like to see one more go. I know sometimes that's, you know, sometimes you just, you've got to let go and just say, look, he's had his time. But I think with Ruben, he's been so unfortunate with, with injuries. He had a very similar injury to hudson Adoy, didn't he? Um, and under Sarri, he had that spell where he played really well, then got injured again. So I think he's done okay at, at, at Fulham. I don't think he's done awful. And obviously they, they've seemed to have turned a corner. So he's, he's surely only added to that side. Um, so I would like to see him come in. It's just more of a question of, well, I think he can offer us something more creative than what we've got at the moment, but it's just whether we strengthen from someone in the window that's a bit more ready. Um, I don't know if you share that view. But... Bill, what do you think about Loftus-Cheek for next season? Uh, I mean, I like him as a player, and obviously because he's, he's come through the academy, us Chelsea fans have always got sort of ties to him, but I think to be honest, I I can't see him having much more time here. Um, I think will he get a chance on the Tuchel? I don't know, but I think if he does, I can't see him making enough of an impact to sort of stay in the team. And then I think we might be just looking at getting rid of him in January if he doesn't go at the end of the summer window. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, look, I think I'd have to agree. Um, I'd probably suggest his future isn't with Chelsea, but. I would like to see him given, you know, 
a chance under Tuchel to show what he can do. I mean, at Fulham, he's not really been pulling up any trees. He's not been amazing. You know, he's had moments here and there, but he doesn't get in the, he doesn't get in the 11 every week. So, I mean, I'm not really sure what it is there. I think if he's going to, there's no point loaning him out again because he just becomes, he just ends up becoming one of those players that just gets caught in the system at Chelsea, just spends years and years on loan and it becomes a bit pointless, really. I think he's either going to be given a chance or we get rid of him. I think it's as simple as that uh, from where I'm coming from. Um, George, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. Uh, obviously, Europa League tomorrow night. Will Manchester United turn it around against Milan and go through? Uh, I said a couple of days ago that they would. So I'm, I can't go against it now. I can't be that that bloke who changes it last minute. Even uh, with uh, Ibrahimovic fit and ready to go? Listen, I mean, I'm not saying that, that that's a, an easy game to predict. It could go either way. And United's luck away from home is going to have to run out eventually. They can't go on that run forever. But um, yeah, I, they have got a lot to do, I suppose. But I still think United as a squad should really be winning that competition. Um, so even though they've put themselves in a bit of a hole and this will be a very tough game, I think they... I mean, to be honest, they'll probably just go through with a pen like they always fucking do anyway. And just get <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if they got two pens and won the game. So, yeah. Bill, what do you think, mate? Do you think they can they can turn it round and, and sneak through? Uh, I think it's going extra time. Yeah, uh, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I think it's going to be another tight game. Obviously, Ebra's back, but then you got. Uh, I think they're missing a. Is it that Chanaloglu? Yeah, he's I, called? Think, I can't pronounce. Yeah. It. I butchered that, but. I'm not sure if he's in, and I know United have not got Cavani tomorrow. No, so that doesn't help them at all in the goal scoring department. I, I, I think it's. Do you know what? As you said, George, like there's United should be winning this competition hands down with the squad they've got, particularly this season. When you look at the teams actually left in the Europa League, particularly from Europe, there's no decent sides in it at all. Um, so you'd have to think that if they were to get through this, you'd have to strongly fancy them to, to win the competition. And if they didn't win the competition, I think it's a massive, massive failure on on, on their behalf. But again, I'm, I'm with you boys. They should, they should be, they've got more than enough to go through. But I think this will be a tough game. And equally, I wouldn't be surprised to see Milan do well. And I think I probably, obviously, I prefer them to go through. And it's great to see, obviously, Tomori doing really well on loan there as well from a, from a, from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, George, Next question, mate. Do you think one of the front three will leave Liverpool this summer? Obviously referring to Mane, Salah or Firmino. Yeah, I think if I if I was to put my my hat on one of them, I'd probably say it would be Mohamed Salah who's going to probably request to leave. Uh, I've listened to a lot of talk sport and stuff like that and they've been saying that I think he's made it quite clear that he's unhappy. Um, and it was a kind of open statement because he didn't really... He didn't really refer to what he's unhappy about, whether it's just the form at the moment or whether he's, you know, whatever's going on, the lack of goals or... But I mean, he's. I think he's still scored quite a few goals this season anyway. Still but, top scorer. Yeah, so he's obviously not that unhappy, but I think there will be teams after him. And like you said, mate, that, that thing about cycles, maybe he wants to take the step up and go to somewhere like a Real Madrid. He's really seemed to be struggling at the moment in terms of, um, you know, even though they bought Hazard, he's not performing. Um, they need a bit of a shake-up. 
So I think if there was one that was going to go, it would probably be him. But even if none of them go, they definitely need to add something. That's for sure. Um, in the final th- in the final third of the pitch, hundred percent. So you think one one of them will leave, and you're predicting it to be Mo Salah? Yeah, I'm calling it, boys. Oh, okay, so hands out. Bill, what do you think, mate? Do you think one of them's definitely going to go? And if so, who? Uh, to be honest, I can't see it happening. I can't. I I think with uh with their current situation, you know, the, I know they're not playing well, but they at the end of the day, they're missing some key players, and I think I think. They'll probably want to give it time to see once Van Dyke's back, once Gomez is back, and they've got their sort of full eleven fit and ready to go. Will they start performing again? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's always that side to things that they have now won all that they can at the club. So, you know, they're a couple of them could be open to sort of closing the chapter there and moving on. But I can't see it happening just yet, to be honest. Fair. I mean, I George, I agree with you, mate. I think one of those three will leave this summer. And if it was down to me, I think the most obvious candidate to move on from a club perspective is probably Firmino. I mean, he's probably the least valuable of those front three. Um, but, I mean, if it was down to me, I'd personally move him on. But if I'm being realistic, I, I, I'm, I'm the same with you. I think... I think Mo Salah probably will leave just because of the noises coming out of his camp. I think he's probably the most likely to move on. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. OK, lads, moving, moving on to England now. Bill, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. Who should be in goal for the World Cup qualifiers? Obviously, Pickford's out through injury. So are we thinking Pope, Henderson, someone else? It's got to be Pope for me. Uh, I think arguably he should... I know Pickford's playing well at the moment, but I think arguably he's sort of 50-50 that he should be in goal anyway, even with Pickford fully fit. Um, I'm not sure if he's had the best of seasons this year, but I know last season he was incredible for for Burnley. So I'd go with Pope, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think it should be Nick Pope. I think he's the obvious candidate for it. He was good at Burnley last season. He's had a solid season this this season. I just don't think Dean Henderson's played enough football. I know he's in the United side at the moment, but I just don't think he's played enough games. George, what what are your thoughts on that one? I think we should get Rob Green back, boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let him have his moment in the sun after he was he was on the other day about his uh, mistake um, in the World Cup. Uh, no, I'll go. I would like to see Dean Henderson. I think he needs to step up. I mean, it might be too soon for him and he's not playing enough football. But from what I have seen in the games that he's played, and they're not just cameo appearances. I mean, he's really taken the reins at probably the most scrutinised position in football, playing for Manchester United in goal. Um, you know, not easy to, to fill the shoes of someone like David De Gea. And, you know, he played that game against Manchester City, etc. and kept a clean sheet. So I would like to see what he's like um, playing with the, with the three lions on his shirt. But um, he probably won't. But that would be my pick. Fair. Yep. Okay, then. I mean, we've kind of already addressed this, but we'll quickly go through it again. Can Chelsea challenge for the title next season without signing a number nine? Bill, thoughts? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You can't win a title without scoring goals. Um, It's a tough one because you, you look at the sort of players available. I've heard we're linked to Haaland, we're linked to Lukaku, but are they the most likely? I don't know. We got, but if we sign, we've got to sign someone big because we've got so much talent in the sort of forward area now that we it has to be someone sort of 
special to cement their place in there. But I can't see us winning the title without a new number nine, though. Yeah, I'd have to 100% agree with that. I cannot... If we went into next season with the same with the same forward line, there is no way we're winning the title. I, I think we've got to get someone in that can put the ball in the back of the net. Simple as that for me. George, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're asking about a title, then yeah, we definitely do. But, but in terms of closing the gap, I... I still hold hope that next season, if if if, and it's a big if, if Werner is selected as that kind of number nine, and for whatever reason we aren't able to strengthen, I still feel that Werner could be the man who gets us twenty plus goals. Because if you look at the actual chances that he's had for Chelsea, he should have been putting at least half of those away. Which, by definition, he should have about fifteen twenty goals this season, really, with the chances he's had. Um, he gets into great positions, so I'm being more hopeful. But yeah, if we're if you're talking about actually challenging for a title, I think there's no doubt that we've seen enough evidence to suggest that we need someone who's going to come in straight from the off and, and get us the goals. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think for Werner to get 15 to 20 goals in the league next season would be it would need a miraculous upturn in form. Hundred percent. Um, interesting one, boys. This one's about a former player of ours. What are your thoughts on Eden Hazard? So far, his move to Madrid has been an absolute disaster. And I don't think anyone could argue with that. Bill, what are your thoughts on, on Hazard and, and his move to Madrid? It just hasn't worked out at all at the moment. No, it's sad to see because obviously he's he's a club legend. He's one of he's a he's a fan favourite at the end of the day for a lot of Chelsea fans. And um I think it's it's a weird one with them because they seem to just get injury after injury. Um I'm not sure if it's a problem with their medical team, with their physio team, with sort of how much their sort of volume of coaching sessions or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's sad to see because he's done it in arguably, well, for me, the best league in the world for so long. You'd think over there it's a walk in the park, but it's just, yeah, it's not what worked out for him, but sad to see. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think, I honestly think we probably, we were lucky. I think we got the best years of him. Um, and as you mentioned about his injuries, he's always injured there. Like at Chelsea, he was hardly injured at all over his over the years he was there. He barely missed any games. Suddenly he's gone to Madrid. And I think in the two years he's been there, he's only, he's only played 36 games. And he's not started all of those either. So at the moment, you'd have to say it's it has been a disaster. But, you know, it, 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 could, it could change round. And you'd be hoping for the investment that Madrid put into him that it does change around. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for all the stick that Chelsea get in terms of transfers and, you know, overpaying or, you know, not being able to get value, I think we sold him pretty much at the perfect time if you look back at it now. He was at the absolute peak of his powers. Um, I think everyone was sad to see him go, but that's what he wanted to do. And ever since then, I mean, it's it's been pretty much cash and laugh really because he's been he's been terrible at Real Madrid I mean I, I I have sympathy for him just because I think Real Madrid as a club are in transition so I think it was a big ask to just say well we're going to buy Hazard and it's all going to be fine again I mean they've lost in the last couple of years they've lost Ronaldo um, they've lost some huge players um, and I think it, it's just coming to you know particularly with players like Ramos getting older and stuff I think they're just coming to the end of a, of a cycle as well Um I don't know. I, I've got like a weird thing in the back of my mind that maybe he will push the button and want to return, maybe not to Chelsea, but just get out of there. Uh, 
I don't know if he would he would he give Real Madrid another year. I mean, he should oh, yeah, do really. I think, yeah, no, he definitely will. But also, mate, even if he did want out, his stock's fallen a lot now. Who's who's going to take? Who's going to want to take a chance on him? Would we, boys? No, I, I'm I'm sorry. I think his time's done, and he's and he's not anywhere. He doesn't look anywhere near the player that he was when he was with us. Bill, would you, if that opportunity presented itself, would you would you be welcoming of Hazard back in the side? I mean, to be honest, no, purely because it cost too much. If he was at the end of his contract and we could get him for free, it'd be a no-brainer, I think. Uh, obviously, as long as his wages weren't too high, but I think I can't see him sort of giving him away for less than 50 million mm. still. Yeah, no, So I, I think that's far too much money for such a, a now injury-prone player. Yeah, I, th- I just think the boat's gone on that one. I think he's done his time at Chelsea. We're thankful for it and... You know, he's he's on he's on to the next stage. George, I come to you on this one, mate. Um, I think we've we've we have discussed this before, but um, has if Harry Kane doesn't leave Spurs this summer, do you think he's missed the boat on getting a big move away? Um, I mean, we've we have said now or never, but he just keeps producing the numbers. So if he keeps producing the numbers, then he's always going to have the chance. But I mean, I tuned into Sunday Supplement. Um, on the podcast as well, and they was they were saying that maybe he is going to be the one club man that a lot of people take for granted because it's not as commonly done anymore. I mean, we saw it with with JT. I mean, even Frank Lampard wasn't a one club man. Um, so I don't know. Um, it just depends on what he wants. I mean, if he wants to look back at his career and say, "Well, I wanted to stay at Tottenham because I was loved by the fans," that's fine. But he's going to have an empty trophy cabinet if he does that. So if he wants to look back at his career and actually win, try and win everything, he, he does need to move. So do you, do you think he... I can't see him leaving Spurs? No, I don't think, I don't think realistically who can afford him. I mean, you're looking at probably again, two clubs, you're looking at City or Madrid. And again, is he going to want to move to Madrid? I would say no. Is he going to go to Manchester City? Doubt it. So you're saying he's no to Harry Kane leaving this summer? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't think he will. No. Bill, do you think Kane's going to leave Spurs this summer? Uh, this summer, no, I can't see it. I think obviously he's he's 28 this summer. I think so. He's he's getting sort of to that age where he he's going to sort of slow down a little bit. You'd expect, but I think if he's going to go, I can't see it this summer. I think potentially even next summer to, I'd say Madrid. Uh, I mean, you look at the Hazard transfer. That's the sort of age they signed him for a lot of money. Um, but I think it's hard to say because th- there's rumours of him being valued at like 150 million, which is just it's a ludicrous amount of money for anybody. But yeah, I can't see it happening this summer, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you boys on this one. Like part of me would like to see him leave Spurs just to sort of, because a player of his ability and an amount of goals he scores, he deserves to be winning the big trophies and playing you know, in the in the biggest matches in the world. And unfortunately, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen at Spurs. And you just don't want to sort of see someone that talented just end up like an Alan Shearer. And I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way because Shearer's had an unbelievable career in terms of all-time Premier League goal scorers, uh, got scoring record, etc. But has got very little, at least Shearer's got a Premier League title to show for his career. Kane could end up with, with showing all he's got to show as a pre-season Audi Cup. And I, I mean, think Charlie, on on that, mate, do you do you think that Harry Kane 
can win the big trophies at Spurs. I mean, with Jose at the helm as well, do you do you think he can? Uh, I, mate, I'm going to have to say no. I cannot see Spurs winning a Premier League title in the next few years. They haven't. Then they just haven't got the players, um, and I can't see them. I mean, they look for sure. They've got a chance to win the Europa League this season, definitely. Um, but I just can't see them competing, sort of in the top European competition, the Champions League. So for me, I think if Kane's got ambition and wants to win the big trophies, then he has to leave. I think it's as, as, as simple as that. But obviously, we'll see how that one pans out. This is an interesting one, boys. Last couple now. Um, can the Premier League claim to still be the best league in the world? There hasn't been a title race for the last couple of years. George, I'll come to you first on this one. Yes, a really interesting point, actually. Um, my interest in the Premier League has gone down slightly over the last few years just because of how it's not as tasty as it used to be. Um, but then again, if you look back even further, maybe 10, well, 15 plus years ago, you would have no one outside. I mean, the top four was always the same top four. Mm. Um, very rarely was it, you know, I think it's certainly more open now than it used to be, particularly in our era um, of watching football. Um, so in that respect, you know, you've got your Leicesters. I mean, I mean, we're talking about the top four race more than we're talking about the title, which kind of answers your question, doesn't it? I mean, the other leagues out there, I mean, Serie A is, an, is a nice one. But other than that, I don't I still think the Premier League's the best league just because of the players, the coverage. Um, it's, it's not just the football. It's, it's all the things around it. That that's the thing, um, but then other other nationalities are going to look at it differently, aren't they? Because we just simply don't get the coverage of you know the other leagues. So you know maybe if I took more of an interest in the Bundesliga, for example, I might I might have a different answer. But for me, I think it's it's still the best league by by quite a long way. I'd probably say it was it was still the best league in terms of competitiveness from from kind of top to bottom in terms of like anyone can beat anyone. You know how type the race for the top four is but if you're kind of looking at it from title race perspective we haven't had a title race for a couple of years now and I know it's the same for other leagues at the moment there's probably only one or two teams that can actually win the league um whereas you know if you look at this season as a as a example we've got Serie A where there's two or three teams in contention for the title great title race the same in Spain with Atletico Madrid Real Madrid and Barca and I know the German league is is not the most competitive, but Leipzig are only three or four points behind Munich. And then, you know, you go to the French league and the top three are separated by three points there. And, 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 and that's a bit of a title race as well. So I suppose if you're going purely on a title race perspective, you'd probably say in terms of title winning, the Premier League is not that competitive. But if you're, if you're looking at it as a whole from top to bottom, then you'd have to say it is, it is the most competitive league. Whether it's the best league, I think that kind of can be debated. Bill, what are your thoughts, mate? Do you think Premier League still still the best league in the world? Uh, for me, yeah. I mean, you're always going to have sort of La Liga fans and sort of people like that say that La Liga is the best because they've sort of dominated Europe for so long and that sort of thing. But I think you've you've just got to look at how many sort of. So if you took the top ten of the Premier League and put them into the top 10 uh, into the other leagues, I think most of them would do quite well, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think I think you'd have sort of clubs like Everton maybe pushing top four in La Liga. Um, but I think yeah, it's I think for for the Premier League, it's more the outside uh, clubs from sort of the European level down to well down to the relegation battle really is just a much higher standard than the rest of the other leagues in my opinion. But then I I'm not an expert in any sense of the word on other league football so yeah no I'd have to agree that the league definitely from top to bottom is the most competitive um but yeah no I, I, I do think there is debate to be had whether it's the whether it's still the best I think it's the most watch it's got the the best managers probably or a selection of the best managers but yeah, I think it's an it's an interesting debate right last one then lads George I'll come to you first mate obviously we both said that Fulham were a dead cert to go down um, who is going down, Newcastle or Fulham? I've got, I've got to go Newcastle, mate. I think they're in serious trouble, and I'd actually quite like to see them go down because I think the Mike Ashley's just, a, he's just a, he's well, he's a tosser really, um, mm. and that, that club deserves what it gets. Um, I think Fulham are actually playing the better football. Uh, they seem to be playing. Seem to be in the right position at the right time, you know, with the the kind of final. 10 games or so to go that they're, they're turning that form. Um, and I really like Scott Parker and what he's trying to do at Fulham. Um, whereas I, I just think Newcastle have just been a mess for, for years and they've been caught out, I think once when they went down to the championship. Um, they might've been caught out twice, but I think it was just once. So yeah, I think, I think Newcastle are in serious, serious trouble. Fair. I, I'd have to agree, mate. I, I think it's going to go to the last game. <laughs> Excuse me, he's going to go to the last game of the season. I think the last game of the season is actually Fulham against Newcastle. So I think it's going to come down to, I think it's going to come down to that. Um, if you're pushing me for an answer right now, I'd have to say I can only see Newcastle going down and Fulham getting out. So right now, I'd have to say Newcastle. Bill, who are you going for, Newcastle or Fulham to to go down? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'd go for Newcastle. I think um, they're just they're just not getting any better and you've got to look at current form Fulham are slowly picking up points uh, even in difficult games you know at Anfield so I think I think they'll have what it takes to just stay up I think it'll be close but I think they'll stay up yeah no I think I think we're all in, in agreement there right then lads that brings the questions to an end George anything you want to wrap up with mate before we finish up yeah, as always, a huge thank you to everyone. We've we've gone over the the three hundred mark um, on the Instagram, which is which is great for us. I mean, slowly but surely we're getting there. Um, big thanks, obviously, to our guest today. As after a few episodes of not having a guest, uh, Bill, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, you've you've been an absolute star for us in terms of since we started following us, um, giving us mentions and everything else. So um, we've really had a pleasure to have you on, and we'll definitely have you on again in the future. Um, for anyone who obviously wants to follow uh, Will and his Instagram page, it's at, at um, just uh, yeah, just explain your your name and then it's the at at, at journo is it at journo uh, at Chelsea journo underscore. Chelsea it was at Chelsea journo, but I lost that page. So it's one with the underscore at the end. Okay. So um, yeah, it's been off. it's been a pleasure, lads. I've, I've obviously been listening for quite a while now. Um, it's good to finally get on. So yeah, yeah, we've absolutely. Loved it. No, thank you, mate. Uh, George, I think that's pretty much it, isn't it, mate? Yeah, just a yeah, just a quick one um, for everyone as else. Just um, keep liking and sharing the the, the content. Um, we have got some more guests in the pipeline. I've I finally actually found an Arsenal fan, um, but we'll keep it under wraps who it is. 
Um, and boys, big one tonight. So let's uh, the best of luck for all Chelsea fans out there. I know everyone will be watching, and let's hope that we can come on for the next episode in a in a positive way. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, lads. Really enjoyed that one. Nice one.